Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Tim Reynolds and Brian Gusky with us. Uh, they are the co-authors of a new book called Movers and Mentors. Movers and Mentors is a compilation of stories, thoughts, and advice from over 75 leaders in the field of physical therapy and movement science. From researchers and expert clinicians to innovators and business owners, their answers to thought-provoking questions will provide personal and professional guidance for the next generation of rehabilitation professionals. Tim, Brian, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us, JT. Yeah, JT, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to have you guys on and, and talk about your guys' book. Um, but yeah, would you be able to begin with kind of introducing yourselves to the audience? We gave a little bit about your book, but yeah, feel free to share about your guys' selves. Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Brian Gusky. I'm a physical therapist in Rochester, New York. Uh, I graduated from Ithaca College in 2014. Uh, following that, I did an orthopedic residency in, in 2015. Uh, and then since then, I've been practicing at the University of Rochester Medical Center in our outpatient orthopedic sports and spine department. Um, also during that time, over the last four years, I've been the director of our orthopedic residency program, um, where I've gotten to uh, be exposed to different mentorship styles and, and curriculum development and a, a lot of cool things in that role. Uh, I see a lot of um, spine and uh, kind of persistent pain. Uh, in my practice currently, I also see some runners and concussions, some uh, more kind of kind of niche areas. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, uh, Tim and I have been working on this project for for the last couple of years, so we're excited to talk about that. Uh, and also, kind of stepping into an entrepreneurial uh, venture myself, uh, starting a, a, a concierge practice. Um, you know, we can we can dive into that later too if we want. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, my name is uh, Tim Reynolds. I am currently a professor at Ithaca College. I teach anatomy physiology for the uh, physical therapy, athletic training, occupational therapist, anybody that goes to the health science program at Ithaca College. Um, <clears throat> my, uh, my schooling was with Brian. We both graduated class of 2014 from Ithaca College. I went and did an orthopedic residency at Cayuga Medical Center in 2015, and then went on to do further spine fellowship training with Cayuga Medical Center, um, a two-year spine fellowship program. And during that time, I was still teaching part-time um, and recently made the transition to full-time academia. Um, I'm still treating part-time a uh, couple hours a week and kind of like Brian, see some persistent pain, some people with uh, neck and back pain as well. Um, but yeah, I know the, the sort of the highlight from a clinical standpoint in the last couple of years is to have the opportunity to work on this project with Brian and have the chance to talk to some of the movers and shakers within the uh, physical therapy industry. There we go. And, and thank you guys very much for being able to share a little bit about your guys' selves. sounds like you guys are already doing a lot early on in your guys' careers. And, and obviously this Movers and Mentors is another aspect of it. Um, I'd love to be able to know, you guys both kind of shared your past in, in academics to get to where you're at. How did you both kind of get um, introduced to physical therapy? Was this something that you guys always knew that you wanted to get to early on? Or later on, you kind of realized, hey, I want to, either through a personal experience or through a family member, how did you guys kind of get introduced to PT and that idea? 
Um, yeah. So reflecting back on kind of my, my high school thought process, uh, I really liked uh, teaching. There was uh, many years there where I wanted to be a teacher. Um, it seemed to be every grade I was in, I, I wanted to be a teacher of that grade. So 10th grade, it was 10th grade, 11th grade, it was 11th grade and so on. Uh, I also really like nutrition and I also like strength and conditioning. And I found that um, physical therapy seemed to be a good fit for me and that I could kind of blend all of those areas into, into one profession. So that's how I got interested in it. And then, you know, luckily, um, luckily I was accepted into, at, a, uh, at the college, which was a six year kind of freshman admittance program. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. That's awesome. And Tim, I feel like I had a little bit of a uh, traditional route where you played a sport in high school and you get hurt and you go to physical therapy and they make you better. And you're like, man, that was so cool. I wish I could do that and help other people. And so uh, my baseball career was uh, thankfully continued based on my rehabilitation experts that uh, helped me along the way. And so I uh, enjoyed having a chance to talk to people, kind of like Brian enjoyed teaching other people and wanting to help others as well. And I feel, felt like physical therapy sort of combined all those passions into one. There we go. Yeah. I, I love it. Like I love how it's being able to be on the podcast and talk with different people. We see all these different paths that people get in. Like you said, Tim, more of the traditional route where you had that personal experience with the sport, but then Brian, you've had that the route of a teacher and winning that. And, and yeah, I asked like, any physical therapist, that's one of their biggest things. I feel like is if, if you're a good teacher to your patients, that's such an important thing. And so to have that desire of being a teacher and having those interests as well together, obviously makes a great combo for that. Um, so perfect on that. Another question I also wanted to follow up with, you guys talked about how you both went to school. So did you guys meet there initially? Did you guys know each other beforehand? And then from there also, could you share a little bit about when this book idea started to come about? Was this in PT school? Was this later on down the path? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so Tim and I were, were buddies in PT school. Um, you know, we'd hang out uh, from time to time. And, um, but ultimately, we got a lot closer when we were both going through the residency program at Cayuga Medical Center in uh, 2015 after we graduated. Um, I was an external resident, so I lived in Utica a couple hours from Ithaca. I practiced at a private practice there, uh, but Tim was an internal resident, so Tim lived and worked in Ithaca um, for the, the residency program uh, where we were at. Uh, so I would travel to, to Tim's apartment, uh, the, the weekend courses that we had once a month, I would sleep on his floor, uh, and we would get up and, and go learn for eight hours on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, so we definitely, uh, bonded over that experience. And, uh, ultimately that's kind of the, the genesis of the, the book idea when we were kind of kicking around some, some thoughts, uh, during one of our courses. So I'll let Tim kind of take it from there. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that as we are sitting through all these courses about neck pain and back pain, all this didactic coursework, you see just a lot of familiar names and faces in, in the physical therapy realm. So the amount of John Childs and Tim Flynn's and Rob Weiner articles that we had to read over the years, Shirley Sarman, right? So the list goes on and on. And Brian uh, <laughs> came to me and said, I wonder, wonder what these people have to think about this sort of like mentorship role that we are currently in. And we were both reading a book at the time um, called Tools of Titans by Tim, uh, Tim Ferriss. And in that book, uh, Tim has the opportunity to interview a bunch of like big movers and shakers within the world, like Brene Brown, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and all these people that have really influenced in a variety of different spheres. And so as we're sort of diving into this book, um, it sort of paired really nicely with Brian's thought process of like, what do we think some of these individuals that are influencing our profession would answer to some of the questions that we have right now. So things like, 
what would be a failure that um, has greatly influenced your life or what would be good advice or bad advice that you would provide to a young graduate and concepts of, regarding um, investments and how you are able to sort of steer away from being distracted and stuff like that. So these are the questions that we aren't finding in literature, right? I mean, it's one of those things that we can go through and dive into the top five exercises for back pain, or here's what you can do for shoulder impingement, but I'm not reading anything about what's your favorite books and trying to figure out what makes you tick as an individual and what sort of habits and uh, characteristics could we try to foster ourselves and then try to sort of walk in the shoes of these giants that paved the way before us. And like Brian said, this sort of passion for teaching and mentorship, we both sort of stepped into roles in regards to uh, Brian being a residency director, myself in academia, and sort of mentoring some of our residents as well. And so we're getting these questions, but we have limited experience, right? I mean, we've only been, we can't talk the talk yet, right? We've only been walking the walk for about two or three years at that time. And so we were able to thankfully reach out to some of these individuals, like uh, like we mentioned before, the John Childs, Tim Flynn's, uh, Rob Wainers, but then you throw people outside of academia, like Kelly Starrett making big moves in regards to the social media realm. You throw individuals like, um, the National Association for Black Physical Therapists, this organization that's literally changing the profession and providing advocacy for under, under um, sort of populated physical therapists. And we have the opportunity to see who else has changed the profession and ask them a series of questions that we don't necessarily have the answers to. So that was sort of the genesis, if you would, uh, for the project. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've been able to be able to go over some of these these people, I, I haven't been able to read the whole book yet, but going through, I mean, every name on a textbook basically is in this book. Every person that, that has been in like a textbook that we've studied in PT school. Okay. I'm like, yep, that's that name. That's that name. And you, like you said, there's so many other people that are relevant and big in the entrepreneur realm, social media, that it really provides a very well-rounded book of people that have been influential in the PT realm. And so that's just really cool that you're able to get so many different people, not just kind of in academia or research specific, or yeah, it's just a, a little bit of everything. And like you said, all these people have amazing knowledge and content and to be able to have that accumulated in one book, that's, that's a great value right there. And I kind of wanted a little bit of a question for both of you guys. You guys both went to the residency program. This is something actually I've been talking about more and more recently. Um, for you guys, why did you guys decide on doing a residency? And what were the, some of the big takeaways for you um, that you really have felt that really helped elevate your career as a PT? Sure. Um, I mean, one of my, one of my mentors, uh, uh, who is our sort of residency director, but also uh, one of the individuals in the, in the book, Mike Costello, um, John Winslow was another big influence in my life growing up. Um, I remember having a conversation with both of them and they said, this will give you five years of clinical experience in a year. And being a relatively passionate, almost a new graduate, learning that I can sort of bypass some of those speed bumps and navigate myself as a clinician and sort of fast track, if you would, um, towards a clinical experience, that seemed like a big sell for me. And so personally, I knew that orthopedics was something I wanted to practice in. I wanted to um, be as good of a clinician as I possibly could. And I think PT school prepares you for certain things and it doesn't necessarily teach you how to get patients better faster. Um, it teaches you to be safe and effective and to pass the boards, right? And so I think um, 
if you don't have those uh, amazing clinical experiences or clinical rotations, then you might not necessarily be practicing at a level that you perceive to be where you want to be. And so for me, that was sort of the, the catalyst, if you would. And um, things that it really helped with, my, my communication skills and my knowledge in pain science, um, those were things that I don't think really got highlighted much within our program. Um, but just understanding that you can treat people that have persistent pain um, and they weren't necessarily faking it. That was like earth shattering um, when you're a brand new grad. So. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. And Brian. Yeah. Yeah. The, the driver for me was, was similar to Tim's in that I wanted to definitely gain a lot of knowledge, gain a lot of knowledge in a short period of time coming out of school. Um, but also I was just, I had a lot of, a lot of questions and it seemed to be a lot more questions than I had answers coming out of school. And I was really curious. And I think the main driver for me was that it came from, I noticed a pattern in my clinicals of some of the, the decisions I would make, um, you know, clinically, I would always be second guessing myself and, and doubting myself. So I, I think the residency came um, about uh, for me in order to, to kind of push me past that, or at least nudge me in the right direction, uh, if you will, for uh, a little bit less uh, self-doubt and a little less insecurity. I think we all have a little bit of that imposter syndrome or, or self-doubt coming out of school, which to some extent is healthy because that can be a driver and that can kind of be the fire for you to take, you know, next or uh, fuel for you, excuse me, to, to take next steps to, to kind of put yourself on a track to learn more and be better and be better able to ma uh, manage patients. So yeah, for me, I think it was a little, a little lack of confidence, a little self-doubt, but also just seemed like a natural uh, kind of good next step in order to, to be better. Yeah. And thank you guys for both sharing that. I, I mean, I just finished PT school in December and I'm starting to practice now. And I definitely feel that imposter syndrome sometimes where it's, it feels overwhelming and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the best with the information and knowledge that I have, but I don't have that, that clinical expertise and clinical experience yet. And so there's, that's a big, a big foundation that's still being built up. And yeah, we actually, I just had Bob Rowe on and I had an interview with him. He'll probably be the one that will be out the week, it was week before this one. And uh, just speaking with him, he was on the APTA board and, and had a lot of great knowledge. And he was saying that you're right. Like kind of how you guys highlighted school is really there to help us to become great basic overall PTs and just have that knowledge of being safe and making sure to know how to treat people in a lot of different varieties. But if we really want to dive in deep into certain things, this extra residencies, these extra educational aspects are so valuable. And like you said, it's going to, speed up your career five years he even i think he mentioned 10 years is what he was saying and so yeah i love that that knowledge that you guys are sharing right there that's something that he was saying like we might his vision for pt is like every require for everybody to do a residency just like in the medical profession they do that we could do the same thing i was like hmm, that'll be interesting to see where that is in the future with pt um but you guys mentioned a couple of names of people that helped you in this process so far and i kind of wanted to know if we could highlight some of those people that you used in your book, people that you shared their stories with, could you highlight a couple of them that really stood out to you, even when you were talking with them and said, wow, these people made a big impact on me just learning and talking with them in this little instance? Yeah, definitely. Um, be happy to. So we were very grateful and, and thankful that um, our guests kind of gave us time uh, to interview them. Most of them, some were email responses, which were equally just as, just as great. And um, you know, if not more, more, uh, powerful at, at certain times or for certain questions. Um, but we had so many, it's really difficult to highlight specific names, but I would say one that stands out, um, for me was, this is actually an interview that Tim did, but I had the, uh, 
the uh, luxury, if you will, of transcribing it was his interview with Stanley Paris, who, if you don't know, Stanley Paris was one of the kind of founding fathers of manual therapy and in the United States and, and traveled all over to, to kind of learn from the best. Um, but he is really, a, really a profound guy. He's done amazing things in his time. I mean, you guys, you know, sailed around the world and swam across the English channel and is still like, you know, uh, working on wineries, like just incredible things. Um, but just to hear his story and kind of, un- and kind of understand his experience, uh, and kind of how he got into to physical therapy and manual therapy and, and using his hands and his perspectives on professionalism and the, the direction of our profession and where he thinks it's heading. And also some of the, the missteps that we've taken and, and kind of some of the, um, you know, some things that he doesn't agree with in terms of the direction our profession is going was, was really interesting. So I would say his interview uh, really kind of, kind of stands out because he's just, you know, again, one of the kind of one of the founding fathers and has done so much. Yeah, I think for me, um, sort of taken in two different directions. There, there, are, there are a couple of people that I was super stoked just to have the chance to talk. Right? I mean, you, you mentioned you look at this list and all the names on the list. Like, if I had to sort of PT fan club for a second, like the content that I absorbed from Mike Reinold or that I absorbed from Peter O'Sullivan or that Michael Shacklock, Brian and I work, worked on a study in residency and the amount of Michael Shacklock articles that we read about neurodynamic stuff, all of those were like, oh my gosh, I have the opportunity to sit down and pick your brain for an hour. This is amazing. Um, I think the one individual just that lit a fire when I, when I spoke to him was Jeff Moore. So Jeff Moore is going to be um, sort of the founder of the Institute of, Institute of Clinical Excellence. Um, and the passion that that person brings to that company, but also to just like into the room is unbelievable. Jeff had an amazing answer, one that I speak to regularly in regards to failure. And I think one of my favorite questions that we asked was in regards to failure and sort of that acceptance and normalization that everybody fails and how you perceive that failure and how you sort of build off that failure is sort of the learning lesson that we hopefully can take forth and and allow for us to grow and develop. And Jeff talks about this concept of uh, the speed wobble and uh, he describes it as riding a bike down a hill really fast. And as the, fa- the faster you go, the more that front tire starts wiggling back and forth, back and forth. And you're either going to flip over the handlebars or you're going to come out of it and say, man, that was awesome. And so uh, he says he tries to live his life in the speed wobble zone. And I think that idea of just understanding, am I pushing myself towards the brink of failure? Because that's where adaptation happens, right? And you think about it from a patient standpoint, if we're underloading them, we're not necessarily going to see change. And if we're underloading ourselves, we're not necessarily going to develop as well. And so for me, uh, having a chance to sit down, Jeff Moore was, uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah, perfect. And I love that example, that analogy, like you truly need a load to be able to, to get traction, to grow. If you don't have a load with things, you're not gonna be able to, to, to get that traction and get that momentum in life and anything in general. So that was a great example there. And thank you guys for both highlighting some people that, that really made some big impacts on you guys that are also found in this book. Um, another thing I wanted to ask, I think it's a, a unique thing that we have someone coming on, Sharon, what were some of the big things that you learned in creating this book? I, I don't know if you guys have ever created a book prior to this one, or if you did, what are some of the big things in this process that you learned? Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the whole experience is a learning process, right? The amount of mistakes that Brian and I made are like, uh, 
probably the best lessons that we will take forth when we're trying to pursue uh, Movers and Mentors Volume 2. But um, it's one of those things that I think the beauty of our profession is that you have the opportunity to allow for that to take you in a variety of directions. Brian's getting ready to be an entrepreneur and sort of be a sole proprietor in terms of starting his own, own practice. I was able to use my physical therapy degree to uh, gateway into academia. And we were able to use this as a stepping stone to be able to become authors of a book, right? But at the same time, we don't necessarily learn anything about writing style, um, talking to Amazon, going through publishing processes, how to copy edit something. And so all these things along the way, our efficiency, I'd like to believe from start to finish improved, um, but it took hours and hours of mistakes of, oh man, we didn't reread that the way it was supposed to. And we submitted this quote unquote final copy. I think how many, how many final copies did we send over to our copy editor, Brian? Oh, I think probably at least four or five. At least four <laughs> or five, right? So I think that there has at least four or five, a sorry, dot, dot, dot. This is the real final copy. And then we find like 16 more mistakes and be like, all right, well, she's either going to appreciate it or she's going to fire us. So it's, it's one of these things that, <laughs> um, that I think just the whole learning how to be efficient and learning the steps along the way was, uh, I think, the valuable experience for that. Yeah, I think uh, it was really just interesting to kind of track our the evolution of our thought process from the start of this to the end. It's like we started with, and we'll be lucky if we get a couple of responses in these emails when we first sent them out to, wow, we're getting some responses and people are responding to our questions to um, these interviews seem to be going pretty well. Some are stronger than others to, okay, I, I really want to get good responses on all of these questions and we want to do a good job at transcribing them. So the quality from what we originally kind of saw as, you know, our vision, if you will, or, or the final product, you know, it improved dramatically over the course as we got more involved with it, as we got more responses as um, our guests, you know, got, got more engaged. It, it was really kind of cool to kind of see that evolution. So that, that was, that was neat, neat to see. And then as Tim said, you know, just the, the work behind the scenes that, that goes in, uh, into publishing a book, you know, we thought we were just kind of like transcribe, okay, copy paste, that's one done. You know, it, it's not like that. We read through this thing, um, you know, too many times to count really. And, uh, and, but that's ultimately, if you want to, if you want to, um, put out a quality product, a quality book, uh, that's, that's what it takes. So that was a, that was a learning experience as well. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it seems like a giant process to be able to try to do all that. And like you said, you're able to get so many great people on and then to be able to organize that all into a, into, into a book. What would you say? If someone was ever, if someone's listening to this right now, and like, you know what? I've always wanted to write a book. Maybe it's in PT. Maybe it's not. What would you say are some practical things in that steps of, of creating a book that you learned? What are like the step-by-steps or just a couple of things like, hey, if you have this idea, this is something that I didn't know or what to expect, or this is where you should start. Sure. I think, uh, I mean, one, one thought would be um, chip away every day. Right? I mean, I think they talk about, obviously this book was a little bit different than writing, um, let's say a novel. Um, in that we were transcribing interviews and then just creating uh, sort of narrowed down content. But there were periods of time when we, we didn't touch this for, for a week or it was a uh, life happened, right? So if you can have the opportunity to chip away at this project day by day, it's definitely sort of mind the whole event. I think also finding a good solid team and doing your research as who do you want to have as part of your team? 
thankfully Brian and I had um, family members um, that uh, cared about us and didn't necessarily care that we were uh, inundating them with questions and uh, read through this, please. And thank you again and again. Um, and so having a good support staff um, definitely sort of allows for you to um, bounce ideas back off them, use them to help with your launch, use them to help with your copy editing, all that sort of stuff I think is good. And then I think, um, I think it's just finding and doing your research in terms of who do you want to be pursuing the, uh, the publishing process with. And that was one of the biggest things that Brian and I had to talk through. Do we want to try to self-publish this um, through Kindle Direct Publishing and Amazon? Or do we want to try to pursue this with a bigger publishing house? And I think the uh, self-publishing route, and Brian can sort of throw in his two cents, that's been such a streamlined process. And um, the behind the scenes of that and the, the, the ease of that whole process did not deter us away from thinking about doing this again. So, Gotcha. Yeah, I would say self-publishing worked uh, really well for us and kind of for what our, our goals were and our motivations were um, with the project, but there's so many different routes. And I would just say, do your kind of research, do your, your background and um, investigation on like, what are the, what are my options here? Uh, who can I meet with? Who's, you know, locally that I can meet with that has published books. Um, we had conversations like that before going the self-publishing route. Um, but from like a, a kind of, um, you know, starting out perspective uh, and, and motivational perspective, uh, depending on the type of book, if it's an interview type book like we have, or if it's you're trying to write your own book, um, what's the saying? A journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. You really just got to, you got to start. I mean, that's, that is literally the hardest part. You need to sit down and put together your introductory email um, and, you know, overcome the, uh, the fear, I'll say that fear uh, of clicking send, um, or you need to sit down and start putting words down on paper and just kind of and go from there. But definitely the hardest part is getting started for sure. I think Tim and I can both attest to that. Uh, but once you get going, you pick up momentum um, and then, you know, things, things can roll from there. Perfect. And thank you guys for, for sharing both those, those experiences that you guys have had. And yeah, I think that's a big thing. Momentum with anything. I, I kicked around the idea of this podcast for a while and I got busy and got nervous. And I was like, who, who's going to listen to it? I, I, I thought of the idea, but yeah, once you get momentum with anything, that's, that's when you can be really dangerous and, and get things going. And that's awesome that you guys are, have been able to do this and, and create such a quality product. You guys mentioned Amazon and be able to do the self-publishing. If someone is interested in getting a copy of the book, what are some of the ways that they can go about doing that? They can either um, search us on, uh, on Google or wherever, moversandmentors.com. Um, we have direct links to Amazon as well as our social media um, on there, or they can go right to Amazon um, and search uh, Movers and Mentors book or just Movers and Mentors and, and we'll be on there. Um, and then, you know, it, it's right for everything's right from Amazon. Um, we also have Kindle as well as, uh, as well as paperback. So, um, however, however you, uh, like to kind of read or, or enjoy, um, enjoy books in your, your pastime, um, you know, either one works. Perfect. Yeah. And I also just like, before we wrap up everything, a couple of things I wanted to ask you guys specifically, um, what are some of the big things that you have learned in your career that you would wish you would learn sooner? We mentioned, obviously the residency taught you a lot of things, but so far in your guys' careers, what have been some of those aha moments or things that have really stood out to you that, man, if I wish, I wish I could learn this sooner because it's really changed my trajectory or changed how I saw physical therapy. 
Yeah. I mean, I think uh, sort of continuing on one of the, the things I walked away with residency, the, the difference between residency and fellowship for me wasn't necessarily learning the treatment paradigms better or practicing some uh, harder manual therapy techniques or anything like that. It was the opportunity to sit down and figure out how to actually communicate with my patients more effectively. And so since, since that residency and fellowship and specifically the fellowship jump to where I am now as a clinician, um, had the chance to give multiple presentations and uh, some publication stuff on the power of words. And for me, if I knew the, um, the impact that our language and our word choice, specifically the use of pathological words can play in regards to a uh, patient's outcomes or perceptions, and specifically Brian and I treating the end of, uh, patients with low back pain population and the idea of degenerative disc disease and some of the other terminology that sort of gets thrown around without a secondary thought. Um, understanding that if I could have changed my language choice earlier, that would have been a bigger benefit to my patient than any special exercise that I tried to learn or um, any manual therapy technique that I was trying to put upon them. Um, and so for me, it'd be power of language. Perfect. Um, when I came out of school, I, I felt like I needed to have a destination, you know, three years from now, a destination five years from now. Um, I, I felt like I needed to know exactly who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do because then I needed to take action steps to get there. Uh, and I, I really don't think, I, I don't know, I don't like that question, you know, where do you see yourself in five years or where do you see yourself in 10 years? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, who you're going to meet, uh, let alone two years from now when you go to a combined sections meeting or something and, and what's going to inspire you or, or get you engaged. So um, I'd say follow kind of your passions, follow what excites you, follow what, what brings you joy. Um, I think it took me a, a little bit to kind of figure that out and find out what excites me. Um, and, and now that I've kind of engaged with that, I'm leaning into that. I think my, you know, things kind of fall into place a little bit easier and, and doors open a little bit easier without you having to, um, to struggle or, or try so hard. It kind of happens naturally when you're following your passion. So um, I would say, you know, don't, uh, don't put too much pressure on yourself to answer the, where do I want to be in five or 10 year question um, coming right out of the gates. Uh, I, I'd say just follow what excites you. Perfect. I, I love what both of you guys said that I, Brian, kind of what you are reiterating what you said, a lot of people have those goals of, okay, well, I need to get here and this is my timeline. And you create almost this unnecessary pressure on yourself because you're right. So many of these people that I've talked to, they did not expect to be where they were at initially. I don't think they were expecting to be the super successful physical therapist, but this door opened here and they stepped through it. And then they saw mm -hmm. another door and they stepped through it. And it's a step-by-step -step walking by like, with a little bit of light in front of you. And a lot of these people had no idea that they were going to be where they're at now. If you would have told them, Hey, this is where you're going to, this is what you're going to do in your career. I'm sure they, a lot of them said, I, they never would have believed it, but to be able to see, you know, take this step-by-step -step and go, and they've been able to achieve such amazing things. And Tim, I wanted to follow up with you on another question. You mentioned about the power of words and educating our patients. That was something that I was talking about with one of my colleagues um, just the other, like other day. And what would you say are some of those things on, in our vocabulary, in our patient education that we can change to be able to help empower our patients and not limit them or feel like they are getting restricted? I feel like sometimes we have that issue where we're educating them, but almost, and either through, through the medical and healthcare process, they feel like they're getting more debilitated instead of empowering them to know what they can and can't, they really can do. Yeah, no, I mean, I think one of those things, uh, 
it's sort of continuing with an earlier concept that Brian talked about, the concept of burnout. And I think it's so easy to become complacent within our practice, right? I think we, we come out of the guns, come out of the gate, all sort of hyped up and excited. I just get your doctorate, right? I'm going to treat patients, going to make the world better. Um, then you make patients better, but then at times you, you stop learning and you stop trying to challenge yourself. And I think that idea of when you start seeing some successes, but you don't necessarily try to expand your knowledge base or challenge yourself to grow, that's where sort of burnout starts to grow and develop. So one of the things that I've done over the past couple of years is I'll challenge myself at the start of the day and say, you are not allowed to use the word pain all day, right? And so I'll try to see... Um, can I, can I make it through a successful treatment session? Can I make it through a day without using some of these words that might be a little bit more pathologically inducing? And so for instance, the word pain versus symptoms, right? So we started the basis of what do we, what do we treat? And most patients that come to the door or have some sort of ailment that is resulting in increased symptoms, but the word pain is already perceived with such a negative connotation um, in comparison to having a sensitivity or a symptom itself. And so I think the biggest things are, if I could go back and just sort of preach a couple words, it would be um, use, use the word load. Load can be applied to anything, right? Yeah, so, so what's subacromial impingement, right? Or subacromial pain syndrome? It's an increase in load to some tissues, right? Leave it at that. Right? You have some tissues in your shoulder, they're under a little bit more load and they became sensitized. What does physical therapy school teach us? We have this hooked acromion and then there's a couple different structures. There's only there's three of them. They got the supraspinatus tendon, bicep tendon, and they got this bursa, and then this hooked acromion. There's a couple different types of them. One's really hooked, and then it's, as you lift your arm up, your, your scapula, your humerus have to move like this, but the humerus goes jammed up against the acromion that's hooked, right? So you hear all these words, and you're like, dear Lord, like, how does my body not break when I move? But we go through, and you can't, you can't be upset with yourself, right? I think that's where also we have these new graduates, and they're coming out, and they're like, inundated with all this information on social media. And it's great, right? I mean, you can go out there and you find anything right now on social media. And at the same time, I've said it before, it takes 21 years to become 21, right? You can't just come out of the gate and start practicing, expect and be an expert. And so you look back on the words that you're trying to share and you feel like you're doing such a good job for your patients, providing them with all this education. And while that's true, there's no ways to do it. So I had to check you graduates, I'd say, try not to use the word pain as much. Use the word sensitivity or symptom. I would say, explain things in terms of load because load could be applied to a tendinopathy. It could be applied to a disc protrusion. It could be applied to an impingement. Everything is just load and it's either overloaded or it's underloaded. And if you can explain that to your, to your uh, patients, and I like to be vaguely specific. Right. I think about just like being like a lawyer. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is, but I'm just going to kind of like randomly use words and hopefully you kind of get the big picture, right? Subacromial impingement, you have an increase in load on some tissues in the shoulder and that's your, that's your tissue issue, right? Just let, leave it at that. Um, you start, the more pathological terms and the more specific anatomy, um, Brian can kind of probably attest to it and you, JT, might have started seeing this too. When a patient comes in, they start telling me about their piriformis, their IT band, or their psoas, I know it's going to be a tough day at the office because they've been told by some clinician or they've done some self-research. And while it might be accurate, they've sort of earned this badge of honor of their, their piriformis is overly tight. And they could have been just left with the fact that you have some tissues that are slightly sensitized and they would have been done and they would not necessarily be fear avoidant of 
doing X, X, Y, and Z activity because their piriformis from now on. So that's my soapbox uh, rant. I love it. Brian, anything to add to that? No. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I completely agree. Uh, well, I should say I agree with uh, most of what Tim said. I don't know <laughs> about all of it. No, I'm kidding. It was, I, I agree that we tend to over deliver and, and knowledge dump, right. Uh, especially when we're coming out of school and, I think it's, it comes from a place that we talked about earlier, JT is like this, this place of a little bit of insecurity, a little bit of self-doubt. Well, I know so much about this particular thing that I'm going to tell this patient all I know about this particular thing. And I'm only like 50% sure that this particular thing is what's actually causing their problem. But I know so much about it that I, I got to deliver and you, you knowledge dump. And, um, and again, this is normal. This is natural. This is part of the learning process and growth process. Um, and as you kind of develop and as you um, hear people talk like Tim just spoke about using different words and word substitution. Um, you know, you start to change your language and you, which ultimately changes your kind of mindset and your perspective on things. So, um, no, no more to, to add, uh, to, to that, but I, I do agree. Okay. I love it. Thank you guys. Um, and yeah, just as we're wrapping up, is there any other additional information or words of advice you'd like to share with the audience? And then another follow-up, um, if someone's interested in talking with you guys, what would be the best way to connect with you? Um, I would say, yeah, my, my final words would just be, um, something that uh, Tim alluded to Jeff Moore's interview, um, who's in the book, um, seek out mentorship, identify those couple people, um, that you can, I, you know, deliver some sort of value to, um, where it's kind of a reciprocal relationship. So those people that are doing the things that, that you want to do and are doing those things in the way that you want to do them, find those people um, and connect with them, um, find a way to contribute or add value if you can to what they're doing and they'll, they'll reciprocate. Um, so, so mentorship is really important um, and it's kind of the, um, the foundation of our, our book. Um, and then, yeah, Tim, Tim can go next and he can talk about where, uh, where to connect with us. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's one of those things, Brian talked to it, um, a little bit earlier about finding your passion. I think finding your why is a really important sort of consideration also. And I think it's sort of a cliche when we think about in terms of our, uh, our trajectory in life, but I think figuring out what lights you up inside and sort of keeping that true to your heart. And I think sort of allowing that to be your guiding light as you're going throughout, not only your physical therapy profession, but as you're going throughout your life too. Um, I think a lot of times we, we start focusing on the negatives associated with some of the profession stuff or our reimbursement rates are too low. I have not enough time to treat these patients, um, have X, Y, and Z cancellation rates. And so I think at times we can sort of focus on that negative, the glass half empty aspect of things. And that does sort of facilitate that burnout. And we're thankful in this profession to have the opportunity to be the movement experts, right? I mean, we should be the person that people come to for musculoskeletal injuries, the first stop shop, right? I mean, and I think we have the opportunity to change the healthcare industry. We need to be able to be the people to sort of profess that message. And so everybody here, everybody listening to this, had a passion to get started with that physical therapy career one way, shape or form, find that passion, sort of keep that true to your heart um, and allow that to be what sort of gets you excited every day to wake up. So on that note, um, if you want to reach out to us, um, Brian mentioned our, our website, moversandmentors.com. Um, it has a link to our social media. Kick us a message on Instagram. 
um, slide into our DMs. We have uh, pretty good uh, social media content, I like to believe, um, some, some nice quotes that we put up there and we share some of our um, movers and shakers content as well. Um, and so send us a message. We'd love to collaborate. I'd love to talk to you. Um, if there's questions that you have either about some of our guests, how to link up with some of our guests, we're more than willing to try to help you guys get connected. Perfect. All right. Uh, Brian, Tim, it was a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for coming on and be able to share about your guys' book. Everyone make sure to check that out. Movies and mentors um, on Amazon and also on their website. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great content in there and I know that they're going to continue to provide great content to us in the future. So thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks, JT. Thanks, JT. Appreciate it. Got it. Have a good one. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.